Welcome back to the Der Show. Since the last time um, we were together, obviously, one of the major issues in the news has been this just brutal killing of this uh, young man named um, Tyra Nichols. Um, I've been looking at police videos for most of the 50 years that I've been a criminal lawyer. Sometimes they were very primitive. Sometimes they were very clear. I've hardly ever seen one as brutal or as unjustified as this one. Um, I mean, this is a young man who was just trying to go home. Uh, there's not even any evidence that he committed a traffic violation. Maybe he did. Um, there were claims that he was driving in the wrong lane. That would certainly be a justification for for stopping him. I haven't seen any allegations about, you know, drugs or drinking or or, or, uh, or trying to pull a gun or fight back or uh, get behind the wheel of a car, like, like in some of these other cases. This just looked like policemen being bullies. And, and, and I'm sure none of them thought he would die. They just thought he would uh, be hurt and that he would learn respect for, for policemen. Um, this is a classic case of a phrase that I don't know whether I invented it, but I've been using it for as long as I've been teaching criminal law, contempt of cop. Um, I used to give a lecture every year to my first year criminal law students. Remember, these are kids who many of them um, don't know anything about law. And I'm teaching them in the first week about their Fourth Amendment and Fifth Amendment rights. And I was worried that uh, students in the class, particularly not exclusively, but particularly students of color, um, would get into trouble by invoking their rights. That sounds pretty un-American, but it's, it's, it's realistic. And so I gave my students, with particular emphasis to students of color, the lecture, the speech, the speech that many African-American parents have to give their, their children at a very, very young age. And my speech was this, look, if the policeman stop you without probable cause, that's unconstitutional, but don't say that to them. Just say, thank you, officer. I appreciate the hard work that you folks do. And I, I really thank you so much for protecting us. And, and how can I be helpful? Uh, immediately, I would tell them, show them your hands to make sure you're not carrying um, uh, don't, don't resist. Don't do anything. Ask politely. Should I get out of the car? Should I stay in the car? Would you like to see my driver's license? If so, why don't I come out and you can take it out of my back pocket. So there's no suspicion that I'm reaching for anything. And, you know, proudly in the 50 years that I taught, I've never had a student who has been hurt by the police. I've had students who have been hassled by the police and I keep telling them, I kept telling the students, look, the one thing you should do um, without being obvious about it is if you see the badge of the police officer with his name or a number, memorize it. Don't write it down. Don't write it down. Just try to memorize it. And then if he did anything wrong, we'll get him in court. And we have all the advantages in court. you got me as your lawyer in court. I'm going to cross-examine him. Um, and he has no advantage in the court. But at two o'clock in the morning on a dark street with no one around, particularly before there were video cameras that were so pervasive, they have all the advantages. They can do whatever they want to you and deny it. And the other policemen will back them up. Uh, 
the the blue line um, is not broken by policemen. They almost always back each other up. And that's certainly been my experience. A friend of mine uh, basically said, look, there are really three races in America. I don't approve of this, but this is what he said, and I'll quote it. There's the black race, the white race, and the blue race. And the blue race uh, consists of, of policemen. Uh, it's not a race, obviously. It's not even a culture, and it's stereotypes. The reason I don't approve of it uh, is it stereotypes. Uh, the vast, vast majority of policemen just do their job, want to come home at night and see their children and um, uh, uh, earn a living and, and protect the American public. Uh, I, I know a lot of cops. I've known policemen since I was a kid, and I was a member of the Police Athletic League, the PAL, in, in which we went to the police station and they would teach us you know, things. Um, and um, particularly some of my friends were not uh, had parents who were not uh, first-generation Americans who were, had just come over to the United States. They didn't know anything about baseball or about uh, uh, sports culture, and, and the PAL would, would help us. And, I mean, it's for that reason that my wife will attest to this. Every time I see a police officer on the street, no matter whether they're a traffic officer or a plainclothesman that I can identify because I have a lot of experience with that, um, I always walk up to them and say, Thank you, sir, for your service. We really appreciate it. And they always thank me. And we sometimes chat. Sometimes they recognize me. Most often they don't. And uh, so I have a lot of admiration for the police. I, I go to police athletic event luncheons and contribute money to them. Um, so you can't tell me that, you know, all policemen are bad or, or generalize about policemen. But uh, these policemen um, were bad. Um, were they as bad as... Um, Chauvin, the guy who killed uh, George Floyd, I don't think it pays to try to compare horrors, compare tragedies. It's like people who try to compare the Holocaust with slavery. What's the benefit of that? They were both horrible, 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 um, genocidal, uh, in one case literally genocidal, in the other case indirectly genocidal uh, programs based on racism. So um, the question I have is this. Although the uh, terrible killing of this young man was certainly in the same category as the killing of George Floyd, a little bit better, a little bit worse, a lot worse, you know, there are elements of each that make each of them worse. Um, uh, the unprovoked nature of this, this, this beating, um, the George Floyd case, the guy was obviously a little bit... Uh, um, on, on, on either drugs or, or, or whatever. And, and there was a little bit of, of resistance, at least in the, in the beginning, but certainly not by the time he was subdued. In this case, there didn't seem to be any resistance. Yes, when they pepper sprayed him, he ran away. <laughs> what would you have done? I, again, taught my students never run away because they'll shoot you in the back. Um, and he did it. He made a mistake. He was terrified. He wanted to go home. He eventually yelled for his mother. Um, and, and, and they just continued to beat him and they, they demanded he do things that he couldn't do or that he did do. And it was just the worst form of bullying. And they're going to get their comeuppance, um, based on the evidence that I've seen. The videos are very graphic and disturbing. They very likely have a good chance of, of being convicted of, uh, second degree murder or, or at least, uh, voluntary manslaughter, but as likely as not second degree murder. 
There's a sixth person that's just been disciplined, but we don't know quite what his role was. The interesting thing, and this is a difficult subject to talk about because race is always a difficult subject to talk about, is the fact that uh, all, all the policemen who are directly involved in the killing and the murder and all who have been indicted for murder are African-Americans or black or people of color. And that makes this less of a racially divisive uh, a, a case. Um, uh, you know, there are those who claim, oh, this just shows America is a white supremacist country, a racist country. They just use African-American policemen to do their job. No, that's, that's nonsense. Uh, America is not a racist country. It has racists in it, but it's systematically an anti-racist country, a country that's uh, been reckoning with its history of racism. And there certainly is a long, long, long history of, of racism for the vast majority of this country's existence. But certainly since, um, since 1954, Brown versus Board of Education, it's just not right to call uh, uh, the United States as a whole a racist country, certainly since the, the civil rights revolution, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s. We are a systematically anti-racist country with pockets of racism that have to be, have to be confronted. And, um, and, and, and what we saw in Memphis, Tennessee is not an example of racism, which may well explain why the reaction is not nearly as strong um, to this event, which is, at least, in my view, at least as bad as the, as the um, George Floyd uh, situation. Of course, in George Floyd, the police, the major policeman was, was white. And uh, here they're all black. And so the narrative of racism doesn't fit this as well. And so we don't see the kind of, quote, reckoning that we saw in the George Floyd case. We, we don't see corporations changing their culture as a result of this. We don't see universities uh, setting up uh, programs uh, because of this. We don't see Black Lives Matter uh, demonstrations leading to horrible violence of the kind we saw after after George Floyd, the reaction is completely, completely different. Uh, what's the reason for that? Black lives matter, and they matter as much if the person who has killed them is a, a black person or, or a white person. It doesn't matter to the victim of the victim's family uh, whether he was a victim of, uh, of, of uh, white police brutality or, or black police uh, brutality. Yet the reaction seems somewhat different. I don't, I don't want to overstate it. There have been reactions to this. There have been demonstrations, but there's just no real comparison between the reaction to what happened in Memphis and the reaction to what happened in, in, in Minnesota. Um, so uh, there, there, are, there are differences. And, um, um, but, but, you know, the, 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 the police culture um, is not under attack because again, policemen vary, vary tremendously. But um, people ask me all the time, how can this have happened? How can the police have done this to this guy? They knew they were on videotape. Well, if they've done it before, and if this is a pattern, if this is what they systematically do, and I, I have no doubt they do it more to, even whether they're black or white, I think they do it more to to uh, people of color who they stop. Um, I mean, even, even black cops stereotype um, based on race, uh, they think they're in greater danger um, from a black uh, defendant or 
arrestee than they are from from uh, a white arrestee, all things being equal. Um, Jesse Jackson said that one day uh, as well. He fears uh, a group of blacks walking down the street toward him more than he does a group of whites. So is that racism or is that a recognition of the tragic situation that so many African-Americans have found themselves in because of um, um, uh, historic discrimination and discrimination today that exists, um, particularly at the lowest levels of education and, and, and health and other things. Um, you know, these are very, very, very hard questions, and they're difficult to discuss because particularly in today's atmosphere of wokeness and political correctness and cancel culture, uh, you could be having a six-hour discussion of this, and you say one word wrong, and you're canceled. And nobody looks at context. Nobody looks at uh, the rest of the, the speech. Nobody looks at your history. You're accused of uh, racism. I know I get calls every week, more often than once a week, from uh, professors or instructors, sometimes students, who have been canceled as the result of a remark in class or a remark um, in the media or a remark at a lecture or a remark um, just in, in conversation. Um, and, and so people are terrified to talk about racial issues and, um, and, and to bring nuance into, into, the, into the discussion. And I, I'm curious as to whether when I get my letters today, uh, they will reflect that fear or whether they will reflect an overreaction and, and in themselves, as some of them do, engage in, in, in racism. Um, so, you know, we've had our reckoning. The reckoning is in process. It grew out of the George Floyd case. Maybe that got more attention because it happened first. And uh, But I don't think so. I think the reason that the George Floyd case got more reaction and more reckoning and and contributed more. You, you know that I think uh, I said that of the five major events of the 21st century, um, uh, the attack on 9-11, COVID, uh, and some of the others, I think the George Floyd killing and the reaction to it has been the most significant event of the, um, of the 21st century so far. Uh, there'll be more. Um, but it has been the most significant. This one doesn't rank even among the top 100. And again, I think largely the reason is that the perpetrator is black, and so it doesn't fit into the, neatly at least, into the uh, racist narrative. Uh, and it requires a, a hard look at, at police training, police conduct. Uh, we know that in Memphis they had this scorpion squad or whatever it was called, which was designed to root out um, street crime. And um, I don't know very much about it, but I would bet that primarily the target uh, was uh, people of color um, and gangs and that kind of thing. Um, and um, this may be part of it. They've now disbanded that, but uh, that doesn't um, end the issue. And it certainly doesn't do anything for the family. The Nichols family, the Nichols family has been handling this extremely, extremely well. They, uh, in the midst of their tragedy, have called for peaceful uh, responses. And, um, and, um, and thus far, the responses have been peaceful. They have been uh, within uh, 
the First Amendment, right, to petition the government for a redress of grievances. We know that in the George Floyd case, many of them were outside of the First uh, Amendment. Uh, people were throwing Molotov cocktails and bombs. They recently sentenced a lawyer from a fancy law firm um, to, I think, a year in prison and some probation for throwing a Molotov cocktail, which exploded. Uh, and caused the flame into a police car, which was empty. Fortunately for everybody, had that police car had a police person in it, uh, he probably would have been seriously injured or killed, and the people throwing uh, the Molotov cocktail would be spending a good part of the rest of their lives in prison. But because nobody was in the police car, they gave them, in my view, it looks like a fairly lenient, lenient sentence. Um, so two different events different times, different circumstances, and different consequences. Um, I'm curious what you think. H how do we avoid a repetition uh, of this? One would have thought that after the George Floyd case and after Chauvin got, I don't remember what, 20 something years in prison, um, and after Kim Potter got her two years in prison, which was totally, un totally unjustified, after all the publicity around that, and after so many policemen being fired uh, in, um, in Minnesota, you would think it would have an impact on, on police misconduct. What were these policemen thinking? Let's put aside the morality. You don't hit a man when he's down. You don't hit a man when he's not resisting. You don't use your baton against him like that. You don't give him commands that it's not possible for him to satisfy. Put aside the moral issues. Oliver Wendell Holmes once talked about the criminal laws directed to bad men, bad people, people who would otherwise do terrible things. So let's approach it from a bad man, uh, non-moral point of view. What were they thinking in terms of their own careers? They had to know that they were going to be caught. They probably didn't think he was going to die. And if he didn't die, this would probably be not nearly as big a deal, but three days later he died. And they killed him, uh, even though it's three days. Um, they probably didn't think he was going to die and therefore wouldn't get a lot of attention. But in today's age, you have to know it's going to get attention. You have to know if there are videotapes, they will go viral. And this videotape has gone all over the world and uh, it creates justifiably such a bad, bad impression of the United States and of uh, American policing. Again, unjustified as to American policing. You know, I've known some of the police commissioners in Boston and New York and Washington and uh, other places. They've been some of the finest uh, people uh, imaginable. They do everything in their power to prevent an incident like this. Uh, the police chief of Memphis, who's also African-American, uh, dealt with this thing extremely well, getting the videotapes out there, firing the people, uh, making sure that the squad that uh, was responsible for this is disbanded. Uh, so, you know, you have to give credit to police uh, also. You know, there, there have been uh, obviously complaints too little too late whenever there's a death like this. Uh, you have a basis for complaining. And uh, as a citizen of the United States who loves the law, I'm complaining. Everybody should be uh, complaining. Um, but, you know, this is, it, this is not the George Floyd case, because in this case, 
other than running away after getting a pepper spray, apparently the pepper spray came into the face of the policeman too, and that got them agitated and annoyed and angry. It wasn't his fault. He didn't shoot the pepper at them. Then he ran away. Now, again, I told my students never to do that. It was a mistake, but a young man on the way home, having done nothing wrong, uh, gets pepper sprayed. He's beaten up. His first instinct is going to be to run. And, uh, and then the policeman captured him without a struggle, apparently. Uh, obviously, no shots were fired or anything like that. So they have him now. And he's under their control, and there are five, at least five of them. And one of him, I think I read he has Crohn's disease, and uh, he weighs like 140 pounds, though he's over six feet tall, six feet two or something like that. So he's extremely thin, does not sound like he's particularly strong, particularly in the face of uh, what policemen uh, have. With They have guns, they're armed, they have tasers, they tased him, they pepper sprayed him, they did everything. They certainly didn't have to kill him. This is a terrible, terrible tragedy, and we'll we'll follow it and 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 see what happens. So, speaking of death and guns, you know, I have a new book coming out called "Killing: uh, How the Law Deals with Issues of Life and Death." And I I deal obviously with guns, and I deal with police violence and and misconduct. So, the last show before the weekend. I knew I was going to upset a lot of people. And this time I managed to upset people not only on Rumble, but on, on YouTube, too. There, there were a few YouTubers that were a, a, a little bit more rational. But whenever I talk about gun control, and I'm a moderate on gun control, as I've said over and over again, if I were at the Constitutional Convention, I would have voted against the Second Amendment. Uh, I don't believe the right to own and possess and hold and bear arms deserves a constitutional status. That's my view. It's in almost no other constitution in the world. Uh, you might say it deserves legislative protection, but it's not up there with free speech and, and the right of, of privacy, I think. So I would have voted against it. I would have lost. It got passed. Now that it's in the First Amendment, I, I support it. I support it in a reasonable way. And I, I as I said, reasonably regulated to me suggests that the framers had in mind reasonable regulation. A lot of people wrote back saying, no, that's not what it means. Let's turn it to some of the letters. Now, let me start with the incredibly paranoid ones. I probably got 50 of these. I probably got 50 of these letters. Shame on you who wrote it. But here's, here's what they said. Stop voting for Democrats. They are behind all mass shootings. They're behind. They're the ones who are responsible for it. False flag events don't mean shit in the real world. Good people don't shoot innocent people. These events are orchestrated. Tragic, yes, but small potatoes in the grand scheme of things. Ooh, boy, I'll tell you. People just... Look what happened to Jones, who made that claim uh, about a particular shooting, and he is now bankrupt and in court. Uh, there's just no truth to that at all. Uh, you can stop believing uh, because most of the shootings are, 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 are fed by perpetrators and some are completely fake, 100% staged, just like the terror videos Trader McCain made in a Hollywood basement and said it was uh, his just to justify money for a war that Congress uh, didn't approve. Alan, you know who's behind the mass shootings. The Muslims, 
Obama, Clinton, Bush, Bidens, and of course the one world commie pedos. You know this, off with all of their heads. I mean, are these adults who live in America, in the real world? Well, this is Stan. Well, for starters, the deep state should stop staging false flag events to try to get the public to give up their guns. How about that? And how about we stop vilifying and alienating young men simply for being male? That might help. And maybe we can stop all the woke racism being aimed at white people. How about there, Dershowitz? Do you think that might be good goals? Not from a person who thinks that these are false flag events. You look a mother in the eye who's just lost her, her child to a, a mass shooting, and you tell them it's a false flag event as you stand over the cemetery plot where the sun is buried. Do you really think that Americans have false flag events in which they actually kill people? I mean, there are two theories of false flag events, both of them absurd, one more absurd than the other. One theory is that there were never any shootings at all. It was just kind of stage videotapes, like the men walking on the moon. You know, that didn't happen. Um, so staged events completely. The other, even more insidious, is that the FBI and the CIA dressed up as murderers and actually came to the schools and murdered these children, murdered these children, and then blamed it on some poor, innocent, gun-toting Second Amendment uh, advocate uh, in order to try to reduce the number of guns. I mean, what is more absurd? Shootings were staged, says Kim Karkrashian, fake name. Shootings were staged. If you fake things, then nothing can be done to stop them. And then my favorite one. Um, first thing is to eliminate pedophiles like Dershowitz and his friends. Yeah, we're the ones who shoot everybody, right? And um, I mean, even after uh, the, the, the woman who uh, accused me, even after, and it's on the cover of my book, uh, has said, I now recognize that I may have made a mistake in identifying Alan Dershowitz is somebody she said she had sex with when she was, what, 17, 18 years old. Even now that I'm still called a pedophile by these uh, crazies who think that everything was staged um, and, um, and, uh, and there really were no mass shootings that were all being taken in. So. Okay, so that was a whole batch of them. Then there were a few more intelligent uh, ones. Uh, does outlawing knives stop mass stabbings? No. Does outlawing guns stop any shootings? No. Uh, you know, why does America have so many more shooting deaths than every other country in the world? I'm not talking about the gangs of Mexico. Okay, that's very different. Or the, the Ayatollah people in Iran who, who shoot people uh, dead on the street. I'm talking about regular, ordinary people who live in Manhattan, who live in various parts of the world, uh, Los Angeles, uh, why are so many of them shot? Now, now, gun laws may not be the answer. Los Angeles, California has a lot of gun laws. I didn't propose that. What I'm suggesting is that the United States, the absence of gun laws for so many years um, has created a situation where there are more guns than people in the United States. And the easy availability of guns does contribute to 
the, the numbers of mass shootings we have. Whether passing new gun laws would stop it or whether it's too late, uh, that's for empiricists and scientists to know. I don't know the answer to that question. Okay, here's another guy who says, enforce the law on the books. No bail. Think about what that means. First of all, the Constitution talks about bail. But no bail. We, we've experienced that. We know it during the January 6th thing. A lot of the people who went into the Capitol are being denied bail. Are you in favor of that? Are you in favor of ending our presumption of innocence? Everybody should get bail if you're arrested for a crime, unless you're dangerous or unless you're likely to flee. Those should be the exceptions, not the rules. If the presumption of innocence means anything, being arrested doesn't justify you being kept in jail. That's why the framers of our Constitution talked about excessive bail shall not be required because that's part of the presumption of innocence. And yet some people who are, want to support no gun legislation say no bail, no bail. No, I, I doubt that many conservatives would agree with that particularly about the people who were arrested in Hill without bail for January, um, for the January 6th event. This is interesting. As a Jew, how can you say you prefer private citizens should not own guns? I've never understood this about my fellow Jews. Uh, don't believe, th those that don't believe as private citizens, we should be able to protect themselves against the tyrannical government. Well, part of it is because we're Jews. Many Jews are opposed to um, private ownership of weapons because Jews historically were subject to pogroms by people in the Ukraine, uh, people in Russia, people in Poland, people in Romania, uh, ordinary citizens who had guns and who killed them uh, during pogroms. Uh, after the Nazis left uh, Poland in a town called Kiltza, um, uh, dozens and dozens of Jews were killed by Polish nationalists and 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 uh, the easy availability of guns makes pogroms uh, um, more likely. And that's why I think I can only speak for myself as a Jew. I don't speak for the Jews. I want our police armed. I want our police very effective. And I want there to help anybody, Jew, non-Jew, or anybody else who is subject to violence. But I think on balance, if you give more guns to more people, probably more Jews will be subject uh, to more violence and, and more people who are not Jewish. So I don't think being Jewish has much to do with this, but if it does, if it has a pinky on the scale, probably the historical incident of Jews being subjected to pogroms and to violence by the populace, not by the police, by the populace, uh, may contribute to general um, uh, Jewish uh, concerns about unregulated guns in the population. I'm going to get a lot of mail about this again. Go ahead, you know, write to me and 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 uh, we'll continue because there'll be uh, there's a lot of mail about guns and I'll I'll, I'll read more of them um, tomorrow as well. Good night.